0: Well are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. How many is ready for the word? Yeah. How many is going to commit to help me preach this morning? Yeah. All right let 's get into it this morning. Well, you know one of my one of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in in Mark chapter two verses one through twelve. One of the reasons why it 's one of my favorite stories is because it is just full of teaching and preaching material, and so that's always something good for, for, for a preacher. But I want you to listen carefully. It's a very familiar story, and most of you will will uh, be familiar with this, but I want you to listen carefully as I read it, because I'm going to be referring to it throughout the message today, so, so let, me, let me read it to you this morning. Mark chapter number two should be on, on the screen, and verse number one. It says that again, he, He is Jesus." And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, he said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying we never saw anything like this. I have a challenge that I want to put before you today, and the challenge is let's do something great. Let's do something great. Listen, the paralyzed man's four friends in this story sure did. As I looked at this story anew and afresh, and as I dissected this passage of Scripture, I I discovered at least five things that were required in order for these men to do something great. I, I think these requirements will be ours as well. I want to share those five things with you this morning. The first thing that you're going to need, if we're going to do something great, the first thing we're going to need is we're going to need a cause. A cause. Notice verse number three. It says, then they came to him bringing a paralytic, bringing a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. So you see that the paralytic was their cause. He was a man that needed help. He was paralyzed. He, he could not walk. He, he was totally dependent upon, upon everybody else in his life for his every need. I don't know how it happened, but one day, perhaps one day, somebody heard about a man named Jesus that was opening the blinded eyes, that was making the cripples to walk, that was making, uh, oh, the the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak Somebody heard about a miracle worker named Jesus. I don't know, perhaps he thought to himself, if I could just get my paralyzed friend to Jesus, if I could only get him into the presence of this miracle working man, this man could heal my friend. I just imagine that he began to get excited thinking about it. Oh, he had a cause to work for. He could be part of something great. He could play a small part in getting this paralytic to Jesus and, and getting him healed. The first requirement for doing something great is to to have a cause. And I want to challenge us this morning with an incredible cause. Over 7 billion, yes with a B, over 7 billion people now reside on planet earth. Of this 7 billion, approximately half of them have never had an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of them have never even heard the name Jesus Christ even one single time. I don't know about you this morning, but for me, this is totally unacceptable. I want to be a part of something great. Oh, and what could be greater than playing a part in the salvation of a host of these people? To actually play a part in seeing a multitude of people go to heaven that otherwise would have spent all of eternity in a horrendous place called hell. What could be greater than to help change the eternal destiny of so many people? I don't know about you this morning, but somehow that excites me more than than just driving a newer car or living in a bigger house or eating a better cut of meat. A missionary to China was approached by an oil company to go to work for them. They offered him a very large salary. Salary. He turned them down. And so, and so they, they, they came back to him and offered to double their financial offer, which was an enormous amount of money if he would only go to work for them. He turned them down again. They absolutely could not believe that this missionary would turn down so much money. And so finally they asked the missionary, they said, how much money would it take for you to go to work for us? How much would it take? The missionary responded and said, it's not the money. It's not the money, the missionary said to the all execs. It's the job. Your job is too small. Right. <laughs> this missionary was a part of something great, taking the gospel to faraway China. His cause was far greater than just making a lot of money. In order to be a part of something great, you're going to need five things. First of all, you're, you're going to need a cause. But not only are you going to need a cause, you're also going to need a cast. A cast. Notice verse 3 again. They came to him bringing a paralytic, notice the next phrase, who was carried by four men. Amen. Yeah. See, a, a cause is hopeless without a cast. Someone or several someones who all have to step up to the plate and take on the cause. In our text today, it was those four men. Think about it. I want to suggest to you today that any four able-bodied men could have taken on this cause. No superstars were required. No special skills were needed. No elite upper, uh, upper echelon people were necessary. The only requirement for this task, all oh, was a little physical effort uh, and a willing heart. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh are called, not many mighty are called, not many noble are called. Can I tell you this morning that any and all of us here today can be part of the cast that God is putting together to help with his cause. Every single one of us here today have the awesome privilege and opportunity to be part of something great. The opportunity of joining the cast that God will use to bring in the end time harvest. Jesus said in Luke 10 and verse number two, Jesus said, the harvest truly is great. He said, but the laborers are few. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. What was Jesus saying here? He was saying, you can be part of something great. He was saying there's a great cause, but I need more people in the cast. And the good news is everyone is invited to be part of the cast. You don't need any special skills. You don't have to be a member of who's who. Any and all willing people can be part of bringing other people to Jesus and then watching and seeing what Jesus will do for them as Jesus totally changes their lives. Oh, you talk about bring, being part of something great. It just doesn't get any better That's right. than this. I'm giving you five requirements today for doing something great that I find in our text today. First of all, you need a cause. Then you need a cast. Third thing you're going to need, if you're going to do something great, it's going to take cooperation. Amen. Amen. Verse 3, one more time. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic, notice here, who was carried by four men. Say, who was carried? carried? See, understand this. This man couldn't get to Jesus by himself. Yeah. Jesus was the answer. Jesus had the power and the authority to, to do for him what no one else could ever do for him. But, but he couldn't get to Jesus yeah. by himself. Oh, let me tell you this morning that over half of our world are unable to get to Jesus by themselves. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer that they're looking for and searching for. But they can't get to him by themselves. If left to himself, this paralytic would never get to Jesus and never get the need of his life met. Now understand this this morning. Not one, not, not, not one single one of these four men could have accomplished this task alone. Probably not even any two of the men could have gotten the job done. It took all four men, all four men taking their corner of responsibility. If they were going to get their friend to Jesus and if they were going to do something great and see something happen in their friend's life, all four men were necessary working together, cooperating with one another to get the job done. And so it is with our cause No one can get the job done on their own. Hear me, friends. Without cooperation, the lost will go to hell. Without cooperation, the sick are going to die. Without cooperation, the hungry will not get fed. Oh, oh, let's do something great. Let's make a difference in our world. Separately, we can do very, very little Individually, we'll have little impact. But together you and 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 me together. Oh, pooling our resources, cooperating by by picking up our corner of responsibility and then depending upon others to pick up their corner of responsibility. I can't do what you can do. You can't do what I can do. But we can all together be effective and all together we can get people to Jesus. And if we get people in the presence of Jesus' lives, are going to be touched and changed. Oh, through a spirit of cooperation We can bring the lost and the hurting And the needy into the presence of Jesus And hear me this morning In the presence of Jesus Needs are met In the presence of Jesus Shackles are broken In the, in the presence of Jesus Lives are changed In order to get the 3 to 4 billion people In our world who have never heard about Jesus In order to get them into the presence of Jesus It will certainly take Cooperation We will need both goers and givers. Let me read Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. I I cannot preach a mission's message, it seems, without including this verse, or these verses. Romans chapter 10, verses, uh, what did I say? Verses 13 through 15. What an incredible promise we have that Paul gives us here. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. Who's going to be saved? Whoever. 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 Oh, us oldies in this room, remember when we used to sing a church called, uh, sing an old hymn that said, whosoever meaneth me. <laughs> I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a wonderful promise, but he changed his gears here in verse number 14, because he says, but how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Here's the good news. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the bad news. How can they hear about Jesus unless they have a preacher? And how can the preacher preach unless somebody sends him? Here's where cooperation comes in. In order for us to accomplish our cause, we need two things. We need goers and we need Givers, We need somebody to go, and then we need somebody to give so the goer can go. God has called me to be a giver. God has called me to raise the money so that I can put it in the hands of the goers so the goers can go. Let me borrow a phrase from my dear friend, the late Tom Green. I'm willing to beg for money for missions so the missionary doesn't have to. Let me brag on you for a little bit this morning. How many do you like to be bragged on? Come on, be honest. Let me brag on you a little bit today. There are approximately a little over 12,000 assemblies of God churches in America. That's a big number. That's a lot of AG churches. Over 12,000 Assemblies of God churches in America. Out of the 12,000 churches, our church, say our church. church. Whose church? Our church. church. Out of the 12,000 Assemblies of God churches in America, our church this past year was number 168 in total missions giving. Think about that. That's a big deal. Out of 12,000 churches, we gave more to missions than, than 11,832 other Assemblies of God churches. Listen, that places the grace place. That places us in the top 1.4% of all 12,000 Assemblies of God churches in missions given. That's a big deal. I promise you, we're not. We're nowhere close to the being in the top 1.4% in, in, uh, uh, in number. I'm telling you that we're giving sometimes more than some megachurches are giving. Give yourself a hand this morning. Congratulations, Grace Place. We're a sending church. We are a giving church. You've heard me say it many times. I'm going to say it one more time. Approximately 140 missionaries get a check every single month from the grace place. Oh, we've helped buy vehicles for missionaries. We've we've bought sound equipment. We've bought Bibles, thousands, thousands of Bibles we have bought. We've purchased children's literature. We've helped build church buildings. We've drilled water wells. We've fed hungry children. We've financed massive crusades. We've helped build a Bible school, and the list goes on and on and on. And that doesn't even include the incredible home missions efforts that we have and that we put money into. Yeah, friend, the fingerprints of the grace place can literally be found all over the world. The title of my message today is let's do something great. But the truth of the matter is we are already doing something great. There are literally, and I'm not exaggerating, there are literally millions of people that are going to go to heaven and not going to go to hell because of the investment that we have made in missions over the past 20 years. Please don't stop now. And listen, friend, do not think that the the people that show up on Sunday morning here, don't think that that's the size and the reach of our church. No, our church has touched literally millions of people. We have a global vision. We are a part of something great. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, oh, oh, it wasn't the faith of, of just this paralytic, I don't know if he even had any or not, but Jesus saw the faith of these four men. they had enough faith to do what they had to do to get him into his presence. The fourth requirement in doing something great this morning is, and that is it'll require commitment. Verse number four says, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. These four men finally get their paralytic to where Jesus was. Oh, can you imagine the conversation they must have had on their way to to where Jesus was? Can you imagine the hope and the anticipation and the joy and the excitement that they had as they worked together getting their friend to Jesus? Knowing if they just get him into the presence of Jesus, he'll get his healing. Can you imagine, can you imagine what they must have felt, what they must have felt like when they finally get him to where Jesus is, but they can't get him into Jesus' presence because the house is packed. No doubt they were tired, no doubt they were weary, perhaps they were exhausted, and now they perhaps were a bit discouraged. Oh, when they get there and discover that the house is filled with people and they can't even get him in the door, what are they going to do now? What will they do? Will they give up? Will they become angry at one another and especially at the one whose idea it was to carry this man to where Jesus was? But no, they would not give up. They were determined. They were committed to their cause. They would do whatever that they had to do for as long as it took in order to accomplish their task. So they hoisted this paralytic up onto the roof of the house. They removed some of the roof. Can you imagine? Can you imagine as Jesus is in there ministering and teaching and doing what he was doing, and then all of a sudden there's hears all this noise from the roof, and people are wondering, what in the world is happening? What's going on? What's happening up there? And then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a ray of light that comes in, and all of a sudden there's a big hole in the roof. Can you imagine what people were saying? Well, I imagine there was one or two that was saying, "Who? No, we're going to pay for this." <laughs> Can you imagine what the owner of the house thought? What in the world's going on? They're tearing up my house. But they had tied ropes on the four corners of the stretcher. They'd put their friend on the stretcher and they lowered their friend into where Jesus was. You talk about getting the Lord's attention. You talk about commitment. It took commitment for them to do this. Total commitment was required on the part of these four men to get this man to Jesus and get him healed. Listen, friend, commitment is always tested. There's was. There's was. Oh, it took commitment for them to say, yes, I'll I'll be on a corner. Yes, I'll do my part. Yes, I'll pick up my part of the weight." It took commitment on that. It took commitment for them to not only start out on the journey, but also to finish the journey. And then when they're finished with the journey, finding out they're really not finished with the journey because because they can't get their friend into Jesus. But their commitment did not waver at all. They figured out a way. They figured out a way. You know, next Sunday, I'm going to ask you to make faith promises. I'll talk more about that in a moment or two, or in a few moments. But maybe you think, how in the world could I do Maybe God lays a figure on your heart or God encourages you to say, how in the world could I do that? But if you'll commit to it, if you'll commit to it, I believe that God will make a way possible for you to do what you could never, ever dream you could ever do before. Amen. But commitment is always tested. Oh, it certainly was with these four men. It's going to take a commitment on our part if we actually do what God places in our heart to do. I don't know, maybe you're here this morning, and you're new to this church, and maybe you're not aware of the fact that we are an Assemblies of God church. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand something about the Assemblies of God fellowship that we're a part of. One of the things that I love about the Assemblies of God, and that is it was born in the heart of revival, but it was also born as a ministry Uh, as a missions organization and it's never wavered from its calling. And I want to tell you that because we are a part of a fellowship called the Assemblies of God, your missions giving here in this church is safe. It's safe for you to invest your money in the missions of this church because, see, it actually gets to the missionaries and to the missions projects. You would be appalled know some missions organizations, some very well-known secular human, human meeting human need, but you would be appalled if you knew the very small percentage of money that is given that actually gets to the project. But not so with the assemblies of God and certainly not so with the grace place. The money you give to missions actually gets to the missionaries, actually gets to the missions projects, unlike so many missions organizations. Listen, the Assemblies of God is unmatched by any other missions organization in the world. And that's not a brag. That's a fact. Listen to these statistics. Every 12 seconds, somebody gets saved around the world as a direct result of Assemblies of God missions. One out of every three people who get saved in the world every single day is due to Assemblies of God missions. You talk about doing something great, and you and I are a part of it. The fifth and final and most important, say most important. Yeah, the most important requirement in order to do something great, if we indeed are going to do something great, this fifth ingredient is an absolute must. And the fifth ingredient, the fifth requirement, if we're going to do something great, will require Christ. Christ. Verse 11 says, Jesus said to the paralytic, men, arise. Take up your bed and walk. Who said? The four friends? Did the four friends say to the man, pick up your bed, arise, pick up your bed and walk? Who said it? Friend, never forget that Jesus is the the answer. Jesus is the answer. Listen, we're not just offering some program. We're offering a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 15 and 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. What can we do without Jesus? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I want to tell you that if something happens in this place today, it will not be because of this pastor. It will not be because of this preacher. It will not be because of some charisma. It will not be because of some, oh, cool thing that we do or, or some old tradition. that. Listen, if anything happens in this place today, it will happen because, because Jesus right. yes. is in the house. The very first verse that I read to you said, it was heard that he was in the house. Why was the place full? The place was full because he was in the house. Amen. Amen. I believe Jesus is in this house today. I believe that Jesus wants to change lives today. He's the answer today. Oh, if we do something great, It'll be because of Christ. A little out of context, but it's still true. Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things. How are you going to do all things, Paul? Through Christ who strengthens me. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. We can be part of something great by either giving or going.